Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, the Spark Conference. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Now let's join today's broadcast. Welcome to Georgia Baptist Discipleship, a team of innovation brokers who are sold out to make multiplying disciples and bringing you best practices. Now today, let me lay some groundwork for you because this is a, a difficult discussion and sometimes evokes some emotional responses. And you see, most of the time when I get on here, I've researched the topic and I have these strong opinions and I've got examples. And um, now I've studied this topic and I prayed over this topic. I'm involved in this topic, but I still struggle with it. So I've got these two gentlemen on here with me to help walk through this, give some guidance and ideas because they are dealing with this in the local church. And of course, Dan's doing this as part of his life's work. And I don't have all the answers, um, but Elizabeth and I do have some good questions that are guiding our journey. So let's set, set some ground rules as we get rolling and talk on the topic of ministry to sport, travel, families. Now, uh, first, we want to be respectful. We don't get anywhere from being a bully, and no one's going to change their mind because you're aggressive. Number two, be curious because we got to be willing to learn. And perhaps we're not omniscient, and the Lord still has something left to teach us. Now, I want to make sure that you listen to the end because I am going to share with you some key questions that are guiding my family's participation in travel sports world as a former athlete, as a dad who has an elite athlete still at home, and as a minister who places high value on gathering with the church weekly. Now, just a reminder, we want to say thank you to our listeners because Facebook tells us you guys have viewed our group more than 15,000 times over the last month. So we're honored that you would trust us with that engagement. And we want to give away some free resources. So we'll leave a comment and you'll get entered <clears throat> into that drawing for a free product. And if you share the link, you'll get double entry into that drawing. Now, first, we've got Dan Williams. Dan, we're glad that you're with us, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. This is exciting to be with you and uh, share uh, some of the things that maybe would encourage people in their own journey. Yeah. Well, so Dan, I've got that you have formed partnerships with a purpose during the Olympics in Atlanta, Salt Lake City. You founded SportServe, uh, where you've diverted, devoted your time to leadership development through sports. Since 1993, you've been working with churches and organizations to make disciples in and through sports in um, all over North America, really, in you're one of the founding members of North American Sports Movement, and you're a soccer dad, right? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, speaking to the to the beginning of your little intro and bio, uh, partnership with a purpose. I guess the the best was I met my wife during the Olympics, and my wife is Beth Ann Williams, and she works around the state of Georgia, encouraging women, and working also with uh, Mission Georgia. And uh, so I was, that was probably the best partnership that, <laughs> that I formed during the Atlanta Olympic outreach uh, here. But yes, I'm a soccer dad. And uh, in addition, now also uh, the, the dad of a daughter who's going off to be a lawyer. Awesome. Awesome. And, and your daughter, uh, having been in the, the sports travel world, so y'all have had some of the experience, really not just from you being a coach and not just being the ministry that you're involved in, but you actually have the perspective 
of a dad having to work through this, trying to disciple your daughter in the local church engagement. So I really look forward to just your perspective as I try to learn more about this topic. Chris Weldon, uh, pastor, you've been married for 31 years to Miss Debbie, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, I'm seven children, three grands, and I hear you've got another one coming in November. That is correct. Yes, sir. Awesome. And uh, 10 years of uh, in Seattle, a church planter with NAM. So you have, a, you have the local church experience, you have the church planting perspective of this. And the last five and a half years, you've been a co-vocational pastor at Emerson Church. Now, tell us just a little bit about, because you are in a unique situation when we talk about this topic of travel sport families and, and the church's ministry to or opposing travel sports. You have a, a perspective on this because of where your church is located, right? Exactly. Yeah. So right up, right out our back door of our property across Pumpkin Vine Creek is uh, Lake Point Sports Complex. I mean, they're, they're the, they call themselves the uh, premier travel and youth sports destination and literally uh, 2.5 million visitors a year to that particular sports complex in 20, so 30 plus sports that they're involved in there. So every Sunday we see the parking lots full. We see the community full of people who come here uh, to enjoy um, what they do, you know, and what they do and what they've chosen to invest as a family. So that's yeah. around us every weekend. And it's pretty amazing. You said it was 1,300 acres? 1,300 acres of wow. no, sports complex. So Unbelievable. Well, I have heard that it was the largest complex in yeah. Georgia and one of the largest, if not the largest, Two. in the nation. So just... Um, Amazing. So we look forward to your perspective as a pastor who's seeing these millions of people show up next door to you and some even filtering into your church. So we look forward to your perspective on that. Now, okay, let's let's talk uh, a few cautions up front. We don't want to spend all of our time in the cautions because that's really where we live. I mean, I hear the cautions. I see the cautions. I feel the guilt. I I feel those cautions as I try to work through this with my own kids. But we do want to note them because they're real. They're real cautions that we want to talk about. One of those is Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some of them are in the habit of doing. We hear that a lot. Exodus 28, remember the Sabbath and, and keep it holy. You know, those are things that we have to process and deal with. So, Dan, let me just start with you. Give me a, give me two or three, just a few of those cautions that you have experienced as a parent, um, as a coach in this world that you would throw out that these are real concerns that we need to deal with. Yeah, um, you know, I'll start with a story because as a coach, uh, I use story as a way to kind of teach my athletes, uh, you know, truth or try to begin to lead them towards uh, truth in some way. And there, there was a story that was told about this captain of a ship and it was, uh, it was foggy out and, and radar was telling them that there was something ahead of them. And so he radioed out to that, uh, that image, uh, you need to move 20 degrees. Uh, to starboard and and he, the response was no you need to move 20 degrees uh, starboard and uh, he was going no I'm the captain of the ship and and telling that person no you need to move and they would radio back uh, no you need to move and then he said no we're a battleship you need to move and uh, the response was well we're a lighthouse and uh, you know the reality is sometimes when we talk about issues like this we we get stuck in worldviews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so the most important thing that I want to say upfront when we're addressing this issue is, uh, you know, every person I talk to, I want to first understand where are they coming from? You know, when, when they bring, like, if they bring a passage like this to me, uh, I want to know what's your worldview? Like where, where, what, what's your background? What's shaped, uh, who you are and where you are? Um, you know, when I'm talking with pastors, they're the most spiritually attuned, in tune people uh, that I come across. And the reality is that in sport, uh, you know, we're dealing with the whole person. And if we look at the Bible and what it tells us about the whole person, we're body, mind, and spirit. And when we address and when we talk about sports, sport only, only acknowledges really the body and, and now they're beginning to acknowledge the mind, you know, and doing mental things to help the athlete become better, but they totally ignore the spirit. Mm. And so it's really, really important for us who are followers of Christ to really make sure that we're not ignoring the spirit as well, because scripture tells us that those aren't three different things. You know, we, they're, they're all interconnected mm. uh, and it's very, very important. And so I would say to people, that, you know, the, the reality is uh, scripture also reveals scripture. And so, you know, what we, what we want to know is more about the context that's going on there with that particular family or that particular situation. Good word. Good foundation to uh, thought process as we begin. Chris, any cautions or, uh, or maybe even like negative impacts that you see for travel sports families to just throw out there and, and acknowledge? Yeah, well, I know, you know, for me, I have, like you mentioned, I have seven kids, uh, four, we call them four older ones, we call them our bigs, and we have three younger ones. And so my four older ones, um, three of which played college football, um, when they were in high school, they were involved in basketball, football. I have one cheerleader, uh, my daughter, she's cheered. So we've had a uh, one that played um, travel baseball, travel basketball. And then I have three younger ones who are going to be freshmen this year, and they're all involved in football, uh, volleyball, cross-country, track. So I say all that to say we're in the midst of it as well. And so um, the caution that I always see in ministry and life is that that the sports or any activity, because it's not just sports, it's all sorts of activities, anything that becomes more of an idol for the family, that's the real caution. And I think that's uh, you know, this anchor of all this goes back to what you talk about all the time on this podcast is discipleship yeah, and uh, to making sure that we have the right balance. That's good. That's a good thought. And and I've been in local church ministry 34 years. I'm now at the convention. So I have a, a perspective now, this kind of 30,000 foot view of what's happening. But I was in the grind there for over 30 years. And and honestly, I was I was consistently frustrated those first 20 years with travel sport and um, just, I mean, I'll just shoot straight with you up front, um, a change in my perspective. I was frustrated and I didn't, I would have not have admitted it then, but I can tell you now I was frustrated because when those travel families weren't in church, it hurt what I was trying to do in student ministry or in the church. And I would go home at lunch. If we'd have 1100 people at church, man, I'm flying high and I was praising the Lord. But when March and April hit, and we may lose 200, 150 people at a test. I get home at lunch, I'm like, holly, man, I'm terrible at this job. And my identity was so tied, Chris, 
to what I was doing in the local church yeah. that I found myself frustrated because of attendance, right? And I, I'm just admitting to you, it's not healthy and it's not right, but that's where I was in my perspective of that. Now I look at it, I'm ashamed of that. I wish it weren't, but but it is the truth. So here's what I realized. I'm, I wasn't influencing those tribal families by posting my objections, by being passive aggressive when we speak, or by standing in opposition to their choice. So I simply asked this question, Dan, is it possible and in, in, is it even healthy to equip travel families to live on mission rather than oppose them? That was a question that the Holy Spirit posed to me probably 12 years ago-ish, and it just, my perspective and what I was doing just began to change. And so instead of my identity tied to it, I began to look, okay, how can I serve the family? So here's my question. How can, then I'll start with you, Dan, and then Chris, you give some follow-up here. How can church leaders equip travel sport families who are attempting to live on mission? And is that even possible to be effective? Yeah, I think it comes back to, you know, as a family, we had to wrestle through our worldview and, uh, and, and, and to be very specific when it comes to the role of, uh, being a disciple maker, Mm. is that an option? Uh, is that something that someone else should be doing? And we had to come to the, you know, we came to the realization that it's not optional, (laughs) you know, that, that it is our call. It's my call as a husband. It's my call, uh, my wife's call. It's uh, my daughter's call who is playing travel sport and my other daughter who was not in travel sport and into other things. Each one of us are, are called to be disciple makers. And it's not something that we can co-opt to somebody else or not something. That was a realization that we came to as a family. And as we began to to journey down that, then it's, well, how can we be, be better disciple makers? Uh, how can we multiply uh, our efforts? How, how can we think uh, the way that the Bible uh, in its story from creation to Christ begins to open up and re- reveal to us ways in which we can be uh, better at, as a disciple maker? And so we began to think about that and, and process through that. And Yes, uh, the answer is yes. There are tools. There, there, there are things that we can do to, to equip our body uh, to be more effective in in making disciples. And and we discovered tools. There's lots of tools out there. I, I would say that you know that's the first place to go. And and when I say disciple making, I'm not talking about a program in your church. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a lifestyle. So if we if we look at the Old Testament in Deuteronomy six, you know we we see the Shema, this this lifestyle that's beginning to be mapped out and through the Ten Commandments and all these things, and now you know Jesus then the Sermon on the Mount going taking that one step um, further, you know, and and we we see that who we are in Christ is is not just what we do; it's how we live our life. Uh, you know, it's not what I do on Sunday uh, that defines me uh, to my neighbor. It's what I do Monday through Saturday that defines me to my yeah. neighbor. And so, you know, how? Hey, let me follow up on something you mentioned. Oh, sorry, sorry to cut yeah. you off there, Dan. Um, uh, now that I've already cut you off, I'll just keep going. Um, 
So let me follow up on, on comments you made, because you mentioned that there were tools, and you and I have talked about something that you've created and that you use that's been effective. Can you briefly just give us a snapshot of that? And then when this goes live, I'd love for us to put a link in the chat so that people can engage with that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we see a model for that in Matthew. We see a model for that in Luke, where Jesus modeled and he showed the disciples what to do. And in that model, he sent them out and he sent them out to connect, yeah. uh, you know? And so how would we, what would that look like for a tra- for, for a family with a travel baseball player, or softball player, or volleyball, or any other sport? It's, well, that's my club, right? That's my team. That's who you're already connected to. You already have your own language. And so then the next is, well, what am I doing as I'm connecting? Well, I'm trying to find, you know, Jesus said to him, hey, find the person of peace. Find that person that is willing to open their home to you. And so, well, what does that look like? Well, it could be the dad that walks up to you and says, hey, you know, you you always seem to be you know, even keel and things get out of hand. Like, how do you deal with, you know, those kinds of things or the, or the, or the mom that comes up and, and, and says, Hey man, we're going through this challenge. I know you'd mentioned something about a challenge you'd gone through at one point in your life. You know, you, you know, I, I just want to, they just start talking to you. They don't ask permission. They just, you know, open their life to you. So that's what, what it looks like to find you're, you're, you're asking questions and you're listening. Uh, and those families will, will come out and I have stories about that I can go into, but then the other is, you know, you begin to show, right. You, you have to begin to then demonstrate and you say, well, this is what uh, happened to me, or this is w- what my experience showed me, but you always want to show them back to Christ. You know, you don't, you don't want to point the attention towards you. You want to, you want to show this is what God did in my life. Maybe God is a is foreign to them, or this is what Christ did in my life. Maybe Christ is foreign to them, but for them to begin to see how you integrate those two things and how it's part of who you are, and then you begin to equip them because if they show interest, you know, if they're starting to go deeper into that uh, and and following up and wanting to know more, then you take them to scripture. You know, you you say that these, this is what God taught me about life in this moment. And he taught me through scripture, these passages, Hey, I can show you where they are, or I can read them with you. Um, you know, but what you want to encourage is for that family to do it together. And the reality is they're, they're all interconnected. It's, it's not like you're meeting mom at the grocery store and you don't have any connection. You're meeting mom and dad every weekend and you're seeing them over and over. And so the opportunity for you to speak into their family is so much more powerful than most people have. And so that's the opportunity to to make disciples, but also to multiply, because wouldn't it be wonderful to see that, that family begin to read that scripture together and see how that begins to transform their life? Yeah, that's good. Chris, any follow up on that in terms of, um, any tools or, um, how can we, as the church, which is where you're locally based by this massive complex? Yeah, I, you know, I think um, as I look at this, I, I'm always reminded back in early 2000s when they were training us in church planting. And, and they say the same thing today with Sin Network. They'll say, you know, we want to make disciples where, and where people live and where they work and where they play. And if we're building disciples in the body of Christ, um, 
everybody makes those choices. I think as a pastor, I mean, I've been a pastor for um, 32 years, and I think a lot of us maybe think a little too much of ourselves, right? And of our sermons on Sunday, like, um, <laughs> and we, you talk about this in the podcast quite often, what's the end game here? What's the win, right? Yeah. And so if we can build disciples and make disciples where they live and work and play, they do that all throughout the week, except for one hour when they're with us. Yeah. And that's what we celebrate. And, you know, where they play is, is covers a so, so many different realms of life. And most of our ministry as a family has been around a sports field. I mean, my goodness, we run, my kids run track where track meets from start to finish. And we sit and with a lot of people and we have conversations. And if we can equip our people um, out of our churches that go to these different uh, places to look to be good Samaritan Christians, people who are willing to go across the road and help people relationally and build those bridges to share the gospel and point them to Jesus. Because it really, at the end of the day, it's about the kingdom of God and not our local church. Yeah, it's a good thought. You know, when we talk about stories, guys, I so my, my son is an elite athlete. He's 12. He's just giant. He's like five, nine and a half, runs like a gazelle, you know, hitting 300 foot home runs. And so we're trying to give him the opportunity to be as good as he can be within the boundaries that we're setting biblically for our family and all that. So one of the things we've told him is if we're going to do this, that we need to know that God's using this and this is a ministry of our family. And um, so just a, a quick story of how this is working so far. So Caleb had a, a tremendous injury about a year ago in March of last year, uh, broke both bones in his dominant arm, uh, came through the skin, uh, spent 13 nights at CHOA, eight surgeries over two months. He got infected. There was about a 10-day period we thought we were going to have to amputate his arm. Just a terrible experience, right? So a year later, we didn't, I mean, we didn't, didn't even know if he'd ever play ball again, right? But a year later, he hits 10 home runs over the last four weeks of the season, doing great. But he, the thing I'm most proud of of the season was he stood on the same field, where which was his last game, and, and was sharing his testimony about what God had done through the whole thing and what he had taught him. And then he walked through the Roman road, gave the gospel to everybody that was on the team, and, and actually everybody who had assembled under the pavilion literally walked through the gospel and, and gave them an opportunity to make a decision for Jesus, right, in the in the conversation. So not just the coolness of giving the gospel, but it also sparked something in our team that we had some of these, let me just be careful, but maybe you would call them consumer Christians, hadn't been to church in a while, whatever you want to say there. Well, they started engaging with scripture. They started asking, can I share a testimony? So I had an opportunity to sit with players and, and walk them through how to share your testimony and have you actually been, been saved? How do you share it? Walk through just a beautiful, the rest of the season, every Sunday, that's what that looked like, right? So as we talk about stories, those are important. Um, and we, we talk about st these these shifts that we have to make as parents and others. But here's, here's another one I want to throw out, and I'll start, Chris, with you, and then we'll bounce over to Dan. What guardrails? So, so this is something that we've, I, Elizabeth and I have spent a lot of time, what guardrails as parents do I need to consider when I'm walking this travel sport path? Because there have to be guardrails. Because Chris, you mentioned it. It's so easily I can slip into this thing becoming an idol and not a ministry. And I'm checking the box of ministry, but if we'll be honest, it's an idol. 
So what guardrails are you seeing that maybe we can put in place? Yeah, I think with the guardrails, um, I know for us as a family, uh, with all the different activities we were involved in, it we really, it, you know, discipleship starts at home. And one of the things that we just really Good. focused in on is that, you know, we want to glorify God with our words and our thoughts and our actions, right? And so when you do that on the field, wherever you are, that's what you're there to do. And and when we start seeing, you know, the guardrails of, man, our priorities shifting away from glorifying God and mm-hmm. glorifying self, I think, you know, it, it's very clear in Scripture what Jesus said about if you want to follow Christ, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. I mean, if we can figure out that follow me, right, we yeah. got it made. And so I think that anything that's taking us away from following, I think that guardrail of, of are we losing sight of what's important in our family? Um, and, yeah. and Jesus being the most important thing. And the reason that God put us here is to be a missionary wherever we are. And I think when we lose sight of that, I think that guardrail has to go back to, to what's important in life first, yeah. which that's the key to discipleship is Jesus. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Dan? Yeah, I think a tool that we use that might be helpful for people is um, there's, there's three parts to it. It's uh, we were born to play, and it starts in the story of Genesis 1 and 2, right? Uh, that we, we, have, we, we are image bearers uh, of God, and, and, uh, and we bear that image through our talents, and we see that in, in the garden, and also we bear, bear that uh, image uh, in and through our relationships. And we saw that our talents were good and and uh, we had a purpose and, and our relationships were, were whole. And then there was a problem uh, that, that came in Genesis 3. And uh, that image uh, got flipped. Uh, you know, no longer are we finding our image in, in, our, in and through our creator, but now it's in, in our talents. And, our, and it began to erode those talents, began to, to destroy those talents because we lose our our way in that, and, and the same with our relationships. They began to get messy and, and broken, and we see this, this, this. We use the term professional foul. You know, right now the women are playing the World Cup, and you have the two yellows, and you have you don't want to get the red. You know, the red is you get sent <laughs> off, and and that that's kind of what happened to us. We got sent off, you know, and uh, we we were we we had to lead the garden, and uh, so that's the problem. You know, the problem that we see out on the field is our talents are messed up uh, in that we find our purpose in, in who we are through our talents and that wasn't the way it was meant to be. Or we find them through relationships, right? Or the, our relationships are just messed up uh, because we're always trying to re- restore our image through through that. Um, and then this beautiful, uh, you know, we're back in the race because Christ came and is restored that image. Uh, and, uh, when we accept him into our life, it begins to restore those broken talents. It begins to restore those broken relationships. And we begin to see that my talent isn't just, isn't who I am. My talent is an expression of God's gift. You know, it's just like on a Sunday morning, the people who lead us in worship up front are playing the piano or, or the guitar or something, and they're using their talent as an expression of worship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what the soccer player does on the soccer field. They're using their talent as an expression of this gift that they have. 
But when they're when it's if we're in a broken way, they're celebrating themselves. But as a follower of Christ, I have the freedom to go out and express myself through my talents and show this is this is what God, God's done some amazing things and given me this gift, and I'm I'm giving it back to Him as my act of worship today. Mm-hmm. So I can be just as worshipful on the soccer field as I can on a Sunday morning in a church service. Uh, it's an attitude of the heart or in the same with my relationships, how I treat my teammate, how I treat my opponent, how I treat the official, how I treat my coach, how I treat the parents who are yelling obscenities at me, uh, you know, because they're the other, you know, they're, they're cheering for their kids on the other team. It's how I approach those relationships where I can show, uh, you know, uh, what God's done. And, and so there are so many opportunities, but that's the, you know, I have to understand that I've got a problem. Yeah. And every time I walk on that field, I'm facing that problem, right? And 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 God's doing this restorative work. And yeah, I'm going to make a mistake. I mean, sometimes I go out there and it's, oh, uh, where did that word come from? Or where did that feeling come from? Or where did that anger come from in that moment? Um, and I have to understand, oh, there's a part of me that I still haven't given to to God. I, I still have been handed over to him because I haven't submitted that I need to do that. And that's the other part of sport that I love. It reveals those things that I even mm-hmm. that are yet there that I've yet to give up, uh, that I've yet to submit to Christ. That's good, Dan. Now let me let me play a devil's advocate, push back a little bit with a comment that I was talking with the pastor up in the Northwest, Chris, really not too far from where you are. Somehow we got on this topic and he said, yeah, but you know what? Um, you know, I'm all for trying to reach travel families and, and clearly, you know, he, he was not in agreement with it, but he had a, he asked a question that I have a great answer for. So I'm going to throw it out to you. He said, okay, well, let's say you do reach them. What are you reaching them to? Because if you're playing sport, travel sports three days a week and in they can't ever come to a church, then how are you going to connect them in the church? Like, what is there ever going to be their church family? Not have a great answer for that. So let me just throw that to you guys. What What is your response? Start first, Chris, and then we'll jump over to Dan. Um, well, I think the first obvious thing, what we're reaching people to, number one is Jesus and the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. And I think number two, I think, I think sometimes we have to look at church life and be creative. I mean, there's a lot of churches these days who are who are maybe, I know there's one in our community up here that's, they have a Thursday night. And there's a lot of travel team uh, families who go to their Thursday night service because they're gone. So the church is kind of asking the question, how can we connect? And whether those families can all be there on a a different night of the week, or maybe they're involved in a small group um, as part of the discipleship process. And I think I think that's the, the key that is, first of all, we're taking them to Jesus, kingdom of God first. And then secondly, how, how can we as churches be creative um, to, to effectively reach people in our community? Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. I, I did a study yesterday. I'm doing a consult with a church and found out that a third, 30% of the people in their ministry area work on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. So that if the only option they give for worship or for Bible studies on Sunday, they're immediately cutting out 30% of people who can't engage with them. So anyway, we won't go to that far, but that, that's a good point, Chris. Dan, any any follow-up thoughts there? 
Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question, and uh, I, it's it, there's no easy answer to it. And and th this is why I come with that perspective because again, I'm I want to know the worldview. That's why we've come up with a sports ministry map, and so we all know the angles scale, right? Uh, you know, pre-Christian, and then you come to Christ, and you're going up this process, right, of discovering. Um, but what we lay across at angle scale is is another scale of sport. It's the relationship you have to sport. And we see it through a number of lenses. So if you were to start on one end, it would be spectator. You know, um, they watch sport. They're totally different than the other end of the spectrum, which is a high profile athlete. Those are the athletes that immediately, if I give you a sport, that name comes to your mind. You know, they're, they're so recognized for their sport that you would, you would recognize them on the street you you know uh, uh, probably more about them than you know uh, about other people um, because you're fixated on them. So you know they 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 have almost become bigger than the sport itself. So that's those are the two ends of the spectrum, and how you talk and how you relate to the spectator versus the high profile in response to that question would be totally different. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I was talking to the spectator. I would be going, why aren't you in church? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you want to go to, to watch the big race. You go to every single big race there is. And that, well, how long's the race season? You know, like, do you have to be at every single race? I mean, how big of the deal is this? Oh, I, I take my camper, you know, we make it a big deal. Okay. Well, that's where you live then for six months of the year. Okay. Well then what does church look like on race day for you? Like, do you go to the chapel? Do you find the chapel that's at the raceway speedway? Because I know there are chapels there. Or do you do a small group study and invite your, your, your guys and the other campers over with you and you, and, you, and you do a small group? Do you need content? I can help you. So that's a response that you would have there, which would be totally different than if you were talking to Michael Jordan, yeah. you know, who is playing every single Sunday or traveling every single Sunday and playing, you know, eight months out of the year, you know, his season is go. your conversation with him would be a little bit different than the spectator. Right. Mm. And then in between that, next to the spectator, you have the novice, then you have the leisure act uh, player. So that's all this side of the angle scale. And then on the other side, we go player elite and high profile. And so for example, your conversation with your son, who is probably a player but the term elite is used with them, mm -hmm. right? And so in the club system, because they kind of, and so just because the term is used as elite doesn't necessarily they mean they're elite. It's really about how your son views themselves. Right. So for example, it would be your son views himself as a player. I love what I do and I love doing it, but you know what? Um, if there's this other thing that I love doing, that's ah, a tough, tough choice. Mm -hmm. Whereas the elite is, well, no, this is my job. This is this is how I identify myself. They haven't lost their identity necessarily. Yeah. It's just that this is what I'm gifted to do. I work really hard at doing this and I carve out time to do it and I give up a lot to do it. But I'm willing to make that sacrifice because this is this is my track. This is who yeah. I am in this season of my life. So their mentality is totally different than the player. Yeah. Even, 
in the elite world, you'll find people who probably are more player in their mindset than elite. And so how you have that conversation with them would be a little bit different, again, in the nuance of the player versus the elite. And so I would say that that's why we've come up with this tool to help people in their process of thinking, because you want to know where are they coming from? Because the, the reality is sometimes the elite player could have lost their identity in what they're doing and they're, 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 they're really in danger of losing their soul. Mm. And you better believe that they need, you, you, it's like you need to be whatever they need in that moment. So if it's like yeah. you need to get to church on Sunday, this Sunday, yeah. If that's what God's prompting you to say to them, and that's what God's revealing to you in that moment, that's what the spirit is prompting you to do, then you better do it. And, or if it's no, Hey, I'm going to come to the hotel Sunday morning and I'm going to pray with you. What, you know, whatever it is that God's prompting you to do in that moment, because the reality is they're in danger as much as the spectator. Mm-hmm. You know, every one of these groups is in danger in different ways of losing their soul. Because again, it comes back to people. We we are treated as physical and mental. We're never treated as spiritual. And all of us are created as spiritual. We have a spiritual, you know, even those who are not following Christ, even those who do not acknowledge God, they were created in spirit as well. Yeah. I mean, that's human you know they have a human spirit and so there's there there is something there that is trying to be filled they're trying to fill it with their talents they're trying to fill it with their relationships and so i would say to you there is no i wouldn't say to a pastor no don't do this or don't the reality is every situation is different and we've got to understand that it's spiritual warfare wherever we go yeah and so when i'm dealing with parents that's the first thing I'm listening for is, okay, God, what is going on that I don't see? Yeah. And Dan, what I'd love for you to do too, is to make sure you put a link to the tool that you're talking about in the chats. Cause I, I would love for our people, uh, ministers who are trying to think more deeply about this subject and parents who are trying to work through this to be able to engage with that tool and just think through and allow the Holy spirit possibly to use it. Now here are a few guardrails, um, guys that that Elizabeth and I have put in our life for our boys. One of those is we require uh, our boys to be in church, gathered with the Big C Church um, at least once a week. Now, if that means they're missing maybe a Sunday, then they're required to be there on Wednesday night with the church family, um, and ideally both of those. The second one is that we made a decision, like I think both of you have talked about with your kids, that we are the primary discipler of our children, and we're not going to dismiss that and assume that the church will do that. That's our responsibility, and that we're reading, discussing, and memorizing Scripture you know, with our boys. And then third, that there needs to be a significant investment from him if he's going to be playing on Sundays. So it's not a deal where I'm going to do all the work, and he's just sitting back and playing on Sundays and letting Dad do the work of ministry. He's either sharing that Bible study, sharing his testimony, or he's helping to line up and equip other players to do those those things now, um, we're gonna we're gonna start kind of narrowing this down and, and getting ready to close the, our time together. But I do want to ask this: How will parents know? Because Chris, you mentioned something about you know you can veer off path and, and become an idol. How will parents know if they're crossing the line 
of investing more in their child's athletic future at the expense of spiritual maturity? Like, are there any warning signs or anything that you have experienced as a parent or a pastor? Well, as a as a as a parent and a pastor, I think that um, I like what Dan said earlier about where your where you find your identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, before whatever we're good at in life, our identity still goes back to I'm a child of God. I was created in the image of God. And and I think that when we are, you know, because I've sat at a lot of games, I've heard a lot of things, okay, of how good their kids are. And I've watched a lot of parents push their kids to a place where they don't even enjoy the game anymore. I mean, I've watched guys in their junior, senior year of high school say, I'm done, dad, I'm done, mom. And you've crossed the line there. And in the sense of just the sport becoming the everything. And um, I think that the the point we have to look at as Christ followers, as image bearers, is that we need to make sure that we're not taking away anything from who we are in Christ. And just yeah. being missional as a, as a family. Um, I think that uh, if, if you lose focus of being missional as a child of God, you're off track. And, and using these things as a tool, because, you know, we, we right now I have a church planner in residency here that's going to be planting a church just up the street in Carsville. And, and all the time we're talking about, you know, you don't need to be somebody who is building a church just to have a service. It's about engaging the community. And like we said before, where we live, where we work, where we play, and just helping families that are involved in all these different activities. I've got one here in our church who who's on a fishing team with the high school. Well, they have fishing tournaments all weekend, right? So just equipping families. Hey, when you're there, build relationships with people to share the gospel. And if you're forgetting to share the gospel because you're more concerned about other things, then yeah, you've crossed the line. Mm-hmm. Good word. Any final thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I think we, you you crossed the line when pride has blinded you. I, I think, you know, pride is the biggest uh thing that we deal with in sport it's what i dealt with as a father what i still deal with as a father when i'm more proud of what my daughter has achieved on the field uh, again i think when we when we when we think of success is more important than significance you know and so success a lot of times is defined in well my daughter played on this team and you know my daughter did this and my daughter's got this and 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 begin if if I'm that's the way I'm referring to my daughter rather than the significance of, of what is happening in her life where man I'm most proud of my daughter because she you know she served in this way you know she went on this mission project or she worked with these kids in the community or man I was so proud of her you know and and you know how she dealt with this time of injury in her life you know and and how she overcame it and and wasn't bitter in the moment or, you know, if, if the way I describe my experience is more about significance or the way I describe my experience is more about success is a good indicator of where I am in my, in my heart. Um, and so I would say the things to watch out for is just, you know, listen to yourself for a moment. Uh, and then the other part I think is where if, if you're feeling anxiety or if you're feeling like you're being left out, or if you feel like, um, you know, somehow you've got to do something else because you can't keep up, you need to really ask yourself, well, what's, what's driving that? Like, 
what's driving this, I've got to be on this team, or what's driving this, because there is a part of what we had to realize as parents in our family was, you know, who's ultimately in control here? You know, is it is it my checkbook that's in control? Is it the fact that I can pay for this or I can find this coach and get my daughter this kind of training so that she can keep up with this? Or I've got to drive 10 extra, you know, miles to get to this team because they're a better team, because that's what's going to get us to, to, mm. to the E1 scholarship. Yeah. Or ultimately, is God in control mm. in the sense of, hey, you know, there are means that I have, there are resources that I have. But if it becomes stressful, if it becomes so overwhelming, then maybe it's gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I've begun to move into that zone where it's all about me. Like I have total control and I have to have control. Yeah. And I need to maybe take a take a step back and realize, whoa, no. I think this team is this is all I can get to. This is all the resource I have. I'm just gonna trust that if this is where, you know, she needs to be in the future, that that's going to be good enough because that's all I can afford. Yeah. And, you know, it's in God's hands ultimately, you know, where, where she ends up is going to be exactly where God wants her. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of different roads to get there. And I just need to trust God. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been rich and we'll see how this lands with the audience. Um, I've got more questions, but we don't have time to keep jumping into that you bet but you know there's two shifts really that my mind made um like i said about a decade ago one of those is that i stopped viewing travel sport families as the enemy who was hurting me and started viewing them as fellow fellow laborers who needed to be equipped and empowered Mm -hmm. and that shift really helped me to see what was happening different a second one was i attempted to see uh, all my families as disciples to be released not church members to be retained Amen. And that helped yeah. me when when I was sending them out on mission and maybe the number in person weren't as good, but gospel impact was greater. And, you know, I'll, I'll just leave some thoughts here for all of our listeners, because the issues we're talking about with travel sports and families, they're real. There are some negative. There are some cautions. And, um, you know, is it even possible for a Christian family to miss three Sundays a year and go play ball? And faithfully walk with Jesus and invest in other families. Those are questions people are dealing with. Is the sacrifice worth it? Will parents regret allowing this diversion from normal Christian rhythm to to gather with their church on a Sunday? Like those are things that people are dealing with. So I want to just leave our our time with these three questions that Elizabeth and I, the Holy Spirit, we feel like has given to us that has helped us make decisions. First, is your desire to build your child's platform or equip them for gospel impact? We struggle with that. That's a pride thing, Dan, that you were talking about. Um, I, I do want my kid to be the best he can be, but I am trying to equip them for gospel impact because I genuinely believe that God's got to use my boys to change the world. I pray over them every night. I give them, I, I'll kiss them on the forehead and I say, tonight I give you my blessing to be awesome. And I pray that God will use them to change the world. And, you know, as an, a dad of, of an athlete, um, the sacrifice is not worth it in travel sports ministry unless we see it as a calling, a ministry of our family, and half-hearted efforts to read a verse or, um, you know, to pray some Rudy Poot prayer with the team and check the box that we did ministry so we can get away with doing that doesn't work for our family. It needs to be real ministry 
where we're doing life in the trenches, where it's messy and it's hard and where you experience the miraculous. Because, gentlemen, I don't want my boys only being able to tell stories of other people's miraculous experiences. I want them to have their stories of how God changed them and changed their friends. So that's what we're interested. Here's a second question. Is your child on board with a level of commitment that it takes to be good and live out their faith in a godless culture? Because there is sacrifice. There's financial sacrifice. I mean, they're missing time with friends. They're missing birthday parties. There are real sacrifices that it takes. And here's a third. And this was probably the most difficult for me to struggle with as a person, as a leader, as a dad. That the Holy Spirit spoke in my life. Are you helping your child follow their dreams with biblical guardrails? Or are you living out your own dreams through your child? Because if it is, that's abuse, not love. And that was a that's something I feel like the Holy Spirit deals with Elizabeth and I often to make sure that we are not trying to live our dreams through our boys, but really just, God, what doors are you open? And if you're going to open this door, we're going to walk through it as far as we can, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And if you close the door, we'll go through another door. That's cool. So, folks, those of you who are listening, we'd love to interact with you in the chat. So tell us where you stand. If you've chosen to do travel sports, how that's working, what guardrails. Uh, you've put in place, or if you've chosen not to do that, why you have doing that. And for any of you that are seeing Disciple Making Fruit, we'd love to hear your story. So please jump into the chat with us. Soccer Dad Dan Williams, thanks for being on with us, friend. Dr. Pastor Chris Weldon, thanks for jumping on with us as well. And uh, Lana Melton, John Graham, thanks for producing. And I will remind our listeners that we're only able to do this because you give to the cooperative program. So thank you for that. And I pray that today's discussion with Chris and Dan will equip you to think deeply, invest purposefully, and dream big as we make world-impacting disciples. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-making.